Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Welcome to yet another edition of Roll the Quadcast. My name is Riley Johnston. I am joined, as always, by my noble co-host, Robert Reinhardt. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We had a great weekend checking out the Luke Bryan concert, and then we had, you know, the eclipse today. So pretty eventful, past 48 hours for us. Yeah, it was uh, pretty excellent down here. I don't know how uh, the eclipse was uh, up in Winston-Salem. I think y'all got a reasonable path, but I was actually in the path of totality in Charleston. And uh, while I'm not a big science guy, I thought it was actually a pretty cool experience. And uh, one we probably won't have for another 99 years, so I'm glad I enjoyed it today. How was, uh, how was your uh, viewing experience, if you got one? It was pretty good, you know, pretty cool. I'll, I'll be the first to say it. It, it seemed a little overrated as far as I was concerned, but still pretty neat. And um uh, but, you know, I heard it rain in Greensboro, unfortunately, so sort of un- unfortunate for some of those people there. But, you know, all in all, just a good way to get out of work for a little bit, so that's good. Yeah, I think I think the big thing was, uh, and this is total uh, non-scientist here, but the final uh, probably 60 seconds before it got into the total eclipse, like it, it was cool, it was cool, it was cool, and then it got really dark, and that was when it probably went from 98, 99% to the full 100%, and uh, I, I think that was where it got really, really neat, and we got pretty much a nighttime experience down here for probably 75 to 90 seconds. So I, if I had to guess, I would say that final 5% was uh, was probably – a huge difference than what uh what maybe experienced if you were just outside the zone, but I found it pretty neat and I was uh I was pretty uh, wowed by it, so I, I thought it was pretty awesome. But um we're not we're not a science podcast here, even though we we could try our hand at it one day. Um so we will go ahead and start talking about some Wake Forest football, which uh we do know a little bit more about. People might argue that from time to time, but uh it's certainly uh. More than my science knowledge, I will put it that way. So uh, last week we talked briefly about the Wake Forest offense and the second scrimmage. So tonight we're going to focus a little bit on the defense and the special teams because, uh, as we've seen in years past, this is uh, this is where Wake Forest tends to make their money and uh, win their football game. I think it's not a large stretch or inaccurate at all to say if the defense have been any less great than what they were last year, a top 25 defense, then we wouldn't have made a bowl game. Uh, can, can you talk a little bit about the uh, the transition of where we were last year under Mike Elko, who went to Notre Dame, and where we look to be this year under new defensive coordinator Jay Solville coming from Minnesota. Yeah, uh, obviously an unfortunate loss with, with Mike Elko, but it says a lot about the caliber of defenses that we've had in, in recent years. So certainly congratulations to to Mike for taking that job. It was also great he he stuck around to, to coach us in the bowl game. If you look at the terms of their defensive performance their defensive performances last year uh very similar in terms of rankings but but went about in two entirely different ways uh wake's defense 22nd nationally in s&p plus which is which is outstanding as you mentioned we needed it to be that good to win uh to win seven games and become ball eligible uh while minnesota's defense was actually 23rd in s&p plus but whereas you know wake was very much bend but don't break but then be be excellent in in terms of uh, red zone defense, Minnesota was uh, a little bit more uh, risk taking, and, and you know they came with some exotic pressures and 
and tried to force it on, on standard downs to, to put the offense behind schedule uh, in, in a bad way. But that, that aggressiveness led them a little bit susceptible to, to some chunk plays. Um, so, you know, it's, it, they came out about the same, but, but went about it in two different ways. So I guess it's sort of just, uh, you know, shows that both philosophies can, can produce uh, similar and, and good results. Yeah, and I think the big thing that that's always stuck out to me and what I've heard from uh, people that are a little closer to the team is that he brings a very aggressive philosophy, which while Wake Forest has had a bend-but-don't-break defense in years past, I think this is something that uh, it, it, we could even take a, a step up more, especially with a very strong front line. Uh, the defensive line is probably the strongest in several years, if not one of the better ones in Wake Forest history. And, and while the linebackers lost a couple of players, obviously it's a big loss in Markel Lee, who is playing for the Oakland Raiders now. But I think we have guys that can step in, and they won't necessarily produce at the same level as Markel does, but we don't really need need those guys to do it as long as they can step in, uh, get the role that they have down, and then and per, do what they need to do. So I think the secondary may be a, a bigger question this year, but I'm interested to see what Solvel can do to hopefully at least keep us here and maybe even elevate us a little more into um, possibly a top-20 defense. But given the – changes that the offense has going on if we can stay right around where we are or at least maintain a top 30 presence in the national rankings especially the S&P which it goes a little further than just simple points allowed per game that kind of stuff um, then I think we'll be in good shape and we have a good chance to get back to a bowl game um, let's talk a little bit about the final scrimmage that we had so third final scrimmage on and I thought there was Mr. Thomas that came out but also, just looking at the running totals a little bit, that's starting to concern me. I know that the offensive line is a very big question. That's something that we uh, we obviously have been worried about. But the line, the total, Christian Beal, 10 carries for 25 yards, led the team. Corny, 9 carries for 24 yards. Isaiah Robinson, good to see him back in the stat sheet after a couple of years off, had 3 carries for 21 yards. And the longest rush of the scrimmage was 18 yards. In total, the offense had 53 carries for 131 net yards. Do you think that that's more of the defensive line being strong and having odd first, second, third team mix-ups? Or, or do you think the running game, once again, could be something that, that's going to be problematic moving into this year? Um, you know, I, I, I still feel reasonable enough about our, our running game. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to confuse us, our offensive line, with, with the Dallas Cowboys offensive line that, that I think you and I could get five or six hundred five or 600 yards behind, but, um, you know, I'm, I, I think it's going to have more depth. I think that that left side could be strong. And, and I think what's encouraging for us is, is that, you know, we, we have a few proven backs in Corny and Colburn. Uh, we saw what they could do last year. Cade, um, should only be better. You would think, uh, Colburn, maybe, you know, his growth rate probably won't be as strong just because, um, you know, he wasn't a true freshman last year, but I think it could still be good. And then I, th- I think we still have, with, with Bird and, and Beal, some some wild cards. And, you know, in, in years past, it seems like we were just – we had all wild cards and nothing proven. Well, now we have something proven, and it's it's we should have at least a baseline and what our upside could be. So, um, you know, I'm excited about, about Bird in particular. I'm, I'm hopeful that he can break out some long runs, though it doesn't seem like that's happened in any of the scrimmages yet. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think there's not necessarily reason to be concerned just yet. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, yeah, I, I mean, I would be lying if I said I didn't have concerns just based on what, we, what we've what we had in the past. I think we have very capable runners in Cade Carney and Matt Colburn. Colburn had a couple of one-yard touchdown runs, which uh, Coach Clawson seemed pretty pleased with. And, and then we've got the change of pace backs in Bird and Beal. I have a feeling Bird is going to be probably the third guy on the, the roster, just kind of reading between the lines some of the quotes. And, you know, if all things are equal, we don't really want to necessarily burn Beal's redshirt status right away. If Bird can step up and show that he can be the capable third back and, and then we have Isaiah Robinson while Tyler Bell is out for the year I mean maybe even put Dorch in some sets if we can save Beal's redshirt year uh, and not force him to come out and then get an additional fourth year on the end that would be ideal uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that I don't know injuries tend to have hurt us a lot recently in the backfield the running back and the quarterback position some of that has to do with bad offensive line play but some of it just seems to be you know kind of bad luck year in and year out um, but hopefully we can save Beal's redshirt if he's not ready to go and the good thing is if you look at these numbers uh we know we have a very good defensive line in front seven, so it's not like we're playing a team who, oh, uh, you're the 75th, 100th best defense. This is a top 25 defense, and I still think it's right around there. So uh, it, it, even though we're not putting up great numbers, I think the fact that we're putting up, I mean, I don't know, mediocre, three yards per carry, not not really good, but uh, hopefully it continues to develop. And the offensive line is one of those things that you know, the longer you play, the better you get. So hopefully as the year goes on, you get some cohesiveness, some, uh, I guess, familiarity with where you are, where everybody else is, then, then you're going to continue to get better. Um, but it, it's definitely a concern, and I, I think uh, it'll be something to watch, especially in the Presbyterian game. If we get up big early, then I want to see a lot of carries go to these guys and see, you know, develop the line, get those reps in and all that. So I don't necessarily need to see us win 55 to nothing, but I think the coaching staff has a lot that they want to look at from a first and second team standpoint before they're going to put in the walk-ons or put in the, the third or fourth string guys uh, against Presbyterian. Hopefully it won't be a close game. Um, but another comment before we flip over to the defense and the special teams, uh, it's kind of an ongoing saga. It sounds like more than ever from the comments of uh, Coach Clawson that he, he said Hinton is the starter, but some of the comments coming out over the weekend said, I believe he said, and I paraphrase this, you know, we will name a quarterback this week, which took me a little off guard because I was under the impression that Hinton was the starting quarterback. And I know John Wolford has had a really, really good camp, and he went 14 for 20 for 136 yards, while Hinton went 10 of 19 for 94 yards. Uh, Rob, did you, I don't know if you saw that comment, but were you under the impression that Hinton was the starter and there wasn't a controversy per se? Or, or did you think that it was going to be evaluated as the, year went on, as the camp went on? On. Um, I, did, I did not hear that comment, but I'm, I'm glad you brought it to my attention. Um, yeah, I guess my understanding was that this was sort of Hinton's job to lose, but in, you know, with every comment that we've heard um, after a lot of these scrimmages from Clawson, it, it's been a lot of, I, I think, him defending Hinton. I know I rem- remember after the, the first scrimmage when, when Wolford had a a very strong performance, and as you've mentioned, he's followed that up with um, several strong performances. But you know, Hinton's numbers weren't the best. But Clawson went out of his way to say that yes, maybe these numbers weren't the best, but this probably isn't the best situation for Kendall Hinton to succeed from a statistical, well, really an output standpoint, because his biggest asset as a quarterback are his legs, and he cannot utilize them based on it just being touch the quarterback and not actually having to tackle or, or wrap up the quarterback. So. Um, and, and he also said, you know, we, we, we have three weeks to decide. And he, he sort of made it sound like it was sort of a, 
you know, a long competition and that not necessarily competition, but a long ways away from the Presbyterian and that that was only one game and that uh, he seemed to expect him to be the starter. So the fact that he's saying this now uh, is, is a little interesting. Maybe, maybe he's just saying make it this week because, um, you know, the Presbyterian game is less than two weeks away. So, pretty soon it's going to be the end of fall camp and it's going to be into game preparation week. But uh, it'll certainly be interesting. I think Wolford's given uh, Clawson and the, the entire offensive staff a tremendous amount to think about. And, and honestly, given, I think, Wake fans some potential confidence moving forward. I thought Wolford had, um, you know, a, a strong game against Temple once he was healthy. Uh, so maybe that's more of a, a sign of things to come. So, uh, you know, I'm very interested to see what turns out. Yeah, yeah, and I I was a little caught off guard by those comments too because I I was fully under the impression that Hinton was the starter, but I, obviously I've been a big Wolford guy. I'm, I wouldn't call a homer or a supporter or anything. I just think that right now he gives us the best chance to win. So that's what you want from a quarterback, especially in an offense that I, I still think is going to be pounded out ground, get it on the ground and run it out. So uh, if you got a guy like Wolford who can make the simple passes, make the intermediate passes, that that's the kind of guy you want in that kind of offense, not the guy who, you know, he, he hits every two out of four, but, you know, maybe the third or fourth one is just a skip pass or an overthrow. So uh, I think those are interesting comments, and it'll be interesting to see who is actually, quote-unquote, named the starter. I don't really care who's the starter. I care who plays in the crunch time. Um, but, you know, we're 10, we're 10 days away from uh, game time, so I would expect the death chart to come out a little bit later this week, um, maybe Friday, Thursday or Friday. So we will certainly uh, keep our eyes on that. But let, let's let's go ahead and flip over to the defense here because he also had some interesting comments about the linebacker situation. So we know that Jabori Williams, Grant Dawson are going to be the two starters of the linebacker, while Demetrius Kemp will be the rover position. I don't know if they've titled that yet, but the flex linebacker, nickel slash cornerback safety kind of deal, the, the rover. Um, but we don't know who really the backup guys are. And he said that Nate Mays and Justin Sternod had some very, very good, uh, a very good scrimmage last week, as well as DJ Taylor, who for all intents and purposes, it seemingly won that spot as the fifth linebacker beating out Jeff Burley obviously got injured, but also Chase Monroe. So what, what are your general thoughts about the linebacker position and the depth that we are getting together behind Williams, Dawson and Kemp? You know, I, th- I think it's it's pretty solid, but it's it's unproven. I think there are a lot of question marks. I, you know, th- I, I like that um, they're not the starters. I'll say that. Um, but you know, it's it's tough. We're we're having to replace these good linebackers <laughs> every year, which is you know, we, we lose Chubb, we we lose Lee, um, but and then we lose Thomas Brown. That that could be an, an underrated missing piece in all of this. But um, I I like. I like DJ Taylor, though I don't like necessarily having to rely on on a true freshman. But but Nate Mays and Justin Stranod, they, they've continually had some you know some pretty good work in, in the preseason, and and I trust Clawson. I think we've recruited pretty well at that position. They had uh, good offer list, and and he's an honest person. When he's saying these guys showed up and and they've had the young linebackers looking good, I mean I I think that's promising. So I, I think as long as, you know, we've been able to pretty much keep this steady system of, of having upper class and linebackers and, and younger players get some some spot some spot snaps and, and reps, um, it, it'll work out. So as long as there aren't any significant injuries, I think we should be pretty good at the linebacker spot. 
Yeah, and I think while it's very good camp talk, you know, who's going to be the true freshman, just based on the numbers we have, a true freshman has to play because we have to put one in our six deep. Um, yeah. I kind of thought it would be Chase Monroe coming into that, um, coming into the year after we, we realized Burley wasn't going to be a contributor after his injury. Um, but I've seen D.J. Taylor's tape, and he looks fantastic. He looked really good in high school, and a lot of it was, again, probably opponents that he was overpowering, and kind of the same for Chase Monroe. Um, but I don't know – just based on what I saw, based on the recruiting rankings, the words that I heard coming into the year, I figured Chase Monroe would not get a red shirt. Um, but it sounds like DJ Taylor, for all intents and purposes, has come in and just claimed the the true freshman role by the jo- by the throat. So hopefully he can step up and do that. But but with Mays and Jaquez Williams, who's going to back up Kemp at the rover position, and also Justin Sternod, hopefully those three guys get the majority of the backup minutes, and uh, we can more rely on Taylor for maybe spot minutes, some special team stuff. I mean, he's going to lose his red shirt, and that, that's not great, and hopefully it's not another Markel Lee situation. But, you know, th- this could be very good because we're going to get him some reps going into next year so we're not kind of sitting in the same position where uh, we've got Chase Monroe and Jeff Burley who have never uh, taken a snap in college football. They didn't even play this year, and then they're going to be asked to step in and play some minutes. So I think for development moving down the line, that'll be good. But obviously we lose Jabori Williams and uh, Grant Dawson after this year. So one of that group of three or four guys that we're talking about from Sternod to Mays to Taylor to Monroe to Burley, they're going to have to start. Somebody has to start there um, because my understanding of it is that the rover position is quite different than the other two linebacker positions. Um, so I think it's good for the long run, but uh, hopefully we just see more of the uh, redshirt sophomores, sophomores, redshirt juniors stepping in for any backup minutes. Um, but the very good thing about that is, is there are four defensive linemen who are probably some of the oldest, most mature, and some of the better players in the conference, and that is led by Duke Ejiofor at defensive end position, who is probably, as we speak, a fringe first-team All-ACC player, and it wouldn't even be a question if the conference were absolutely loaded with the defensive line talent. The guys at Clemson's NC State Boston College and Florida State have a lot of uh, a lot of spots there, but I think when it's all said and done, Ejiofor is going to be battling for a first-team All-ACC spot. Do you think that this defensive line is one of the better ones in Wake Forest history, and do you think that the, their ability to create plays and wreak havoc is going to lead to this defense being roughly equivalent to last year? Well, I, I don't I... – I'll defer to you a little bit in terms of Wake Forest history, but I do think it's very good, especially when it's going to be anchored by uh, somebody in Duke Edge of Four, who, who, as you mentioned, could be a late first, early second round pick. We've only had but so many first round picks in in our school's history, so I think that says a lot about him. Uh, And I think on the other side, when you have Wendell Dunn, a a very experienced fifth-year senior, shout-out to to Jake's boy right there. And then on on the interior, I think (laughs) – um, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be tough, you know, to replace some of the pieces that you know Josh Banks, et cetera. But it's you know Zeke Rodney coming back, I I think is big, and I think we have good depth when you got a Carlos Boogie Basham uh, coming in, maybe a Chris Calhoun. So I think it, it could be a a very good defensive line, and I think as you mentioned, could be very big in terms of this new style of of pressure defense where. Uh, the pass rush coming from our defensive line, you may not have to send as many people, uh, linebackers, whoever, in terms of a blitz to still get a similar result. We'll be able to leave more people in coverage. Um, Now, that said, I I still have some concerns about our secondary. 
so I'm not – and, you know, obviously losing Markel Lee. So I wouldn't say – I don't think our defense is going to be as good as last year, uh, but I think our defensive line will definitely be better than it was a year ago. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing to watch is we've heard a lot of about Carlos Boogie Basham, and he uh, he's probably a backup defensive end behind uh, Cal- with Calhoun and Basham, and I think Paris Black may get some some time in there as well. But you know, Wendell Dunn and Duke Ejiofor have have definitely locked down the starting job, but I think Basham has shown that he might be hard to keep off the field, so I don't know if he'll be rotated in or Salvo will do some different sets, but I definitely think they know that the the strength of the defense comes from the defensive line. Uh, It's obvious to anybody that's watched it, and I think Zeke Rodney, after his year off, and there was a really, really good article written about him recently, uh, a few weeks back, about what he did in his year off where you know he took some classes online, and he, he actually went out and worked, and then he said, you know, I, I belong on the football field. I, I need to get my get my stuff together. I need to get back out there and, and do what I was meant to do. So I think that wake-up call, a lot of times, those are the things that propel you to be better on the field and in your any endeavor, but especially from an athletic standpoint. So I think Rodney is a guy that we're going to really, really appreciate having. And when you partner him up with Ejiofor and Wendell Dunn and then Boogie Basham coming in, and when you can redshirt one of the better recruits in Wake Forest history and Mike Allen, then that's that's a pretty big compliment to what you already have here and the talent that you've developed. So kudos to the staff not only going out and getting Mike Allen, but having the ability to say, hey, you know what, you're you're not going to play this year because you have so much talent in front of you. And we haven't even talked about Alante Bateman or Suleiman Kamara, who both are very highly rated players in their own regard as far as Wake Forest goes. And then Deion Young, who we brought in a defensive tackle position, I'm sure probably before we knew whether or not Zeke Rodney was coming back. But with the line shaping up the way it is, I think uh, I think we have reason to be excited, especially with what Solvel has at his disposal. But the big question that you bring up, what are we doing in the secondary? Because we've got Cam Glenn and Jesse Bates, two lockdown safeties, but the cornerback position is very much in flux right now. Whether we're going to start Cedric Giles or Amari Henderson or, or Sang Basie, I, I don't know the answer to that yet. And it sounds like Cedric Giles has had a lot of uh, – injuries that he's kind of fighting through here too so he's not getting the rest that he needs so what um if you were the defensive coordinator and you knew the makeup of this team what do you think your goals would be maybe this first Thursday night against Presbyterian are you trying to get reps for the guys in the 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 back the secondary or are you trying to just get get the first guys you know settled in and say hey you're number one you're number one you're going to play two or three quarters what would you do if you were uh coach Clawson or coach Solvel? Uh, I, I think I would get try and get those guys as, as many reps as possible, though I would try and run maybe some, some more base plays, you know, for coming with some interesting blitz packages. Uh, I would not want to show any of those uh, when, when I have a, a massively important game the second week of the season uh, against Boston College, where as, as we know in our games against Boston College, every point counts. Uh, so you, can, you can't score. You can't score just one point, but sometimes just one point can win those games. Um, you know, yeah. with Giles, I thought Clawson made a good point. He says, "Look, he's he's a fifth-year player, but look, he needs the reps. He's a first-year in our offense, and excuse me, in our defense." And, and same thing for Bassey and Henderson. He, those guys are young players, but they're they're very early on, and they've had experience in Elko system, but they don't have any experience in, in the new system. So I would be trying to get those guys reps. I'd always try, also try and get, you know, Jeff Taylor some reps because I think it sounds like he might play as a true freshman. Um, 
So we'll see. But I, you know, I would, I would be getting, getting those guys as, as many reps as possible. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think a lot of it, if, if the game is close against Presbyterian, we have some serious problems, and we will go into this in depth next week. And I'm not trying to denigrate the opponent of Presbyterian at all, but, I mean, they scored under 100 total points last year. So the pure goal for next Thursday should be, one, get up by two to three touchdowns in the first quarter, and then, two, establish your goals and focus on what you want to do. Now, obviously, we're trying to figure out, I don't know exactly what Clawson wants to work on or do per se um but i want to get as many guys reps as possible and and in the secondary right now you've got guys that even jesse bates i know he started a lot of games last year but i mean he's a redshirt sophomore so while it's the third year in the program he's got a lot of snaps that he he still needs to get and gain experience so i don't know how how the snaps against presbyterian will help him moving forward uh but but they can certainly help Bassey and Henderson and Giles, because Giles, as you said, has only been in uh, camp for, what, a couple months, and he's been injured for a lot of that. So while he is a graduate senior, he he hasn't got a lot of snaps under our defense or under Solville. And to that extent, since we have a new defensive coordinator, even though these guys have all been in the program for a while, they haven't played under this defensive coordinator. So there are a lot of tendencies and in-game situations that you need to learn and pick up, whether it be audibles or where you're supposed to be or who's making play calls, all that kind of stuff that kind of gets overlooked. So I think we, from an offensive standpoint, we'll probably call the dogs off fairly early because, you know, you don't want to beat a team 100 to nothing. Although I, I would like to see us try to put up 100 points. I think that would be pretty entertaining. But from a defensive side of things, I think we should leave the starters in a little longer, especially in the secondary, to make sure that they're getting the reps that they need to move into the Boston College game. And if you can get the base sets down, then since we have a nine-day break, you take a couple of days off to rest, review the film, and then say, hey, this is what we did. This is what you did well. This is what you did poorly. Let's work on these this week. Because if you only play a quarter, then it's like you're kind of looking at other guys still, and you're not really getting the feel and the muscle memory for it. So I'd like to see a lot of time for our defense. But um, it's less about really winning the game next Thursday because that should be a a given and more developing our players and making sure that we give ourselves the best chance to win the Boston College game, which is very, very – could be the the game that we need to get to six wins. So I, I know it's early, but this isn't college basketball. You know, you, you kind of start off swinging. Florida State plays Alabama week one. Uh, the rivalry, it, it's on up there, Rob. I don't I don't know if it's uh, quite to Florida State, Alabama, but, you know, the, these are games, and uh, we want to win these things. It's for Internet pride, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have uh, – we also want to take a look at special teams uh, as well, which for Wake Forest – tends to be a little more special than most because we play a lot of close games. So um, the good news is we have very, very good special team players. Mike Weaver is the place kicker, Don Maggio the punter, and then either Dayton Diemel or Garrett Wilson is going to be the long snapper. Um, you know, we don't get a lot of quotes about who's going to be the long snapper starter, but there was actually a change last year. And that's one of those positions where – Nobody really cares about it until you realize somebody's messing up, and that's kind of what happened last year um, when we switched over guys. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out there. But 
We ranked 33rd last year on special teams S&P Plus. Um, I won't go into the extreme ratings there because, one, I'm not sure I fully understand them. But, yeah, we ranked 33rd. We were good at special teams. Mike Weaver went 21 of 27 for field goals and 28 for 28 on the point after attempts. And for a unit that we tend to give a lot of scholarship to, that's exactly what you want. You want to gain an advantage there. And uh, I I think we have a pretty good special teams, especially considering – I don't know about you, Rob, but three or four years ago when Mike Weaver came in, I, I didn't – I never heard of him. So I didn't know if he was going to be the kicker. I kind of figured he would be the backup to Adam Sinners, who was a number one kicker at some point in a recruiting class. But Mike Weaver's really, really done a good job for Wake. Uh, do you think the special teams for Wake Forest is more important from a relative percentage basis than most other teams just based on the way that we play? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we do not have much margin for error. And, um, you know, I think that's one thing Clawson understands going back to his his first year here at Wake Forest when, when Adam Trier was still the special teams coordinator. And Kevin Johnson, who was a top 15 overall draft pick, maybe 16th, uh, he played on special teams for us in addition to playing just regular cornerbacks. So Clawson understands the importance of special teams, um, and, and it's vital, you know, Mike Weaver, money, 15, 15 for 16 on field goals under 40 yards last year, uh, a lot of touchbacks. And, you know, as, as much as our offense has struggled, um, we need every additional yard that we can get from the return game. And to help out our defense, we need every additional yard in terms of pinning the back on kickoffs or, or punts that we can. So I think, you know, you add a Greg Dorch into the mix this year, I think he can give us uh, a more dynamic punt return. Um, just Bates is, is a very good playmaker, but, you know, when he's a punt returner, he's mostly focused on just securing the ball, which, which he's unbelievable at. So I think Dorch can be a, a big boost for us in terms of helping our offense. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think our special teams is, is unbelievably important in, in terms of, you know, relative importance to – uh, our success in winning the game. What do you think? Yeah, and I would, you actually brought up a really good point because we, from a punt returner and kick return standpoint, Jesse Bates returned, uh, he took 45 punts last year, if my math is right, while Tabari Hines took eight. Um, Bates actually did fumble three times. He uh, recovered two, lost one. Hines took eight, uh, didn't lose any. But Hines, on his four returns that he actually took, he fair caught for. He actually lost .8 yards total. So I, I don't remember how that worked out, but I assume one was a pretty big loss, um, while Bates was a at a 4.1 average. So and the kick return, we got John, Johnny Armstrong and Stephen Claude, both of whom who, uh, you know, they, they may not they may not be there, especially Armstrong. So I don't know. Dorch is obviously the guy that we're going to put into the kick return position, but um, I don't know who the second guy is going to be or if we're going to use the one guy back. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if we, we do go with Dorch in both of those positions because given his speed and, and hands, I think he will be a good fit there. But, but Hines also ran, a, I believe, a 4.340 that was uh, laser-timed earlier this year. So he's got some speed, and while that doesn't always translate into uh, catching the balls and securing them from a uh, punt return standpoint, I, I think that we should be improved there as well. Um, do, do you think we're going to go with, with Dorch primarily at those positions, or do you think we're going to defer to Hines as the main punt returner, or even Bates? Uh, I, I haven't seen any uh, call one way or the other, and I haven't really analyzed the stats, but I, I would expect Dorch would get some touches. What, what do you think about that? 
yeah, I think I think it'll primarily be Dorch. I mean, I think part of it may be uh, situationally based. I, I think if we have a lead that's relatively substantial or, or ball security, if ball security is more important, I think Bates will probably be back there. If we feel like we maybe need to get a, a few yards out of a out of a return or or at least have a higher chance of, of getting a big play, uh, th- then I think we w- we will go with Dorch there. Um, you know, Hines last year, I thought he made some questionable decisions, uh, and I think that's why he had the negative yardage that he did have. Um, so, so I would say that, and I think Dorch, I, I'm excited about. It. I I shouldn't hype a redshirt freshman, but so much. But at the same, t- it's not fair to compare him to Jesse Bates on the other side. But Jesse Bates was an unbelievable redshirt freshman for us, and an All American, and. Uh, Dorch, I'm just excited in, in how many different ways you can use him. If you look at his his high school film, I mean, I think it's it, it's really exciting stuff to get that kind of an, kind of an athlete back there. Um, he's probably one of the best athletes on the team. So I think uh, Bates, if we need to catch it, but I think if we're looking for a bit of a spark, I think Dorch will be back there. Yeah, and I think, and this is the last thing you really want to think about, but as far as the utility and what you want in a guy back there, you don't want to put one, some of your best players back there, quite frankly. And I don't mean that to denigrate Dorch at all, but, I mean, Jesse Bates, relative to Parr, is clearly a very valuable player. Tabari Hines, very valuable player at the wide receiver position. So if, it, if you get down where things are roughly equal and you're not sure what you want to do, then as long as Dorch is catching the ball and he's securing it well, then he's got that breakaway speed that we want and that we've looked forward to and he's also a guy and this sounds awful and I don't mean it like this but you know if, if, if something were to happen he gets nicked up for a couple of plays then it, it's not like losing a Jesse Bates and I am fully Greg Dorchin and I think we're going to get him the ball in a lot of different situations uh, but as far as value and what we know about Jesse Bates especially if we have somebody else in there that can that can catch the ball back there then I would like to see that because par returns just get hurt a lot relative to par you're running full speed the other team is running full speed it's a dangerous situation so um, I would like to see a guy back there that can a secure the ball on a very frequent basis b can break long runs and c you know if he were to get nicked up then you don't want to have a guy back there that you know oh you know (laughs) is he going to get back on the field by the time we're on defense so I think Dorch fits all those boxes and I think he he's going to provide a lot of uh, special teams help there as well um Moving a little bit to the punting position, because we had, uh, obviously, Alexander Kennel, who was phenomenal. We were big fans, as uh, many people might remember. Um, but Dom Maggio should continue to punt there. And Mike Weaver punted a little bit when Maggio was injured, but I still assume it's Maggio's job uh, to keep there. When you consider how many times Wake Forest has punted over the past few years, the punter position becomes a very, very... I mean, I know it's funny, and it, it is funny. It's, it's a passing not, position, not, I'll say that. Yeah, I mean it is. I mean we rely on we rely on punting very much, and hopefully it will be less important this year from a pure just well we punted a hundred times, so you're going to need to have some good punts. But we we've seen in the past how how games like that how bad punts, bad snaps can impact the game, and, and we know it better than anybody because we've won games on special teams a lot in the last few years, and we've lost games on special teams. So the reason why we spend so much time talking about this is. It's, it, it matters. We we offer scholarships to these guys, and we know what it, what those roles mean, especially for Wake Forest. So we talk a lot about exploiting 
things that other teams don't necessarily exploit. And, and we clearly put a very high emphasis from Jim Grobe and also Dave Clawson on special teams. So I, I know they judge these things a lot more. Um, and I'm not sure what the situation behind uh, Coach Shire getting uh, – I don't want to say fired because I don't know the term, but he, he's no longer the coach here – was uh, perhaps the, the, the special teams weren't up to the par that Coach Clawson wanted. Um, and even though they looked good from an advanced standpoint, I believe they were number one in the, in the nation four or five – maybe three or four years ago. I think maybe their first year here. But uh, since then, it, it's dropped off a little bit. But we still have a very good special team. Um, do you – do you think Maggio is going to continue to be the guy at punter, or do you think we're going to ask Weaver to pull pull double duty there? No, I, th- I, th- I think Maggio will will be the guy. Um, you know, I, I don't think we we want to we want to do double duty, and I've always wondered, well, 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 why can't you do double duty? So, you know, when you when you ask people who are actually kickers about it, it's not the fact that they're, um, you know, they have to kick a few more times in a game. It's just all the additional warm-up in, in practice that they have to go through, and, and it really can uh, wear, wear down on you. And especially if, if you're a, a, for being a field goal kicker, um, every yard could matter um, in terms of fatigue levels. So uh, I, I think it'll be with, with Maggio. I, you know, I think he's, he's got an opportunity to get a little bit bigger and, um, you know, a, a highly touted prospect. Um, and you know, I, I think we really just got to worry about getting uh, getting the lawn snapping down because uh, that was problematic for us at times last year. One of the and I know it was in a hurricane, one, but one of the first plays of the game uh, against Syracuse that that put us down two nothing almost immediately. Really should have been seven nothing. Yeah. Uh, Syracuse wait wasted an opportunity there. Um, so you know, every point matters. So I, I, I do think it'll be Maggio. I do not think we want to do double duty. Um, and so that's what I'm hope, hopeful for. You know, he he had a few uh, unfortunate punts at times. I mean, I remember in the bowl game once last year, he had a, a not a cold shank, but it, it was it was not his best punt, I will say. It was at a critical time of the game where, where field position mattered and we needed to pin them a little bit, pin Temple a little bit deeper than we did. Uh, we did not come close, so I, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that he'll have you know a bit of a better a better year, um, and that's always tough to come into as a true freshman. So I'm, I'm expecting a year of growth from from Maggio. Yeah, and you know, based on uh, the, the film that we've seen, he he's also got quite the arm. He can hit people in moving vehicles. So if we ever need to I run some off then uh, then we can ask him to get his arm out there too. So uh, he looks like quite the hashtag athlete, especially from the punter position. So hey, maybe Clawson's um, going to name him as the starter. I don't know at, at quarterback. Yeah, they hey, you, you know when he said <laughs> he didn't specifically mention names, he just said he was going to make a decision. So if Don Maggio comes out and he started from day one, then uh. I th- this guy's playing 4D chess out there, and we're just playing checkers. So we will uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I-, I-, I agree with you. I think I think uh, I think he will maintain the starting position. And I think a lot of the stuff was I- I'm not an expert on punting by any means, but you know the conditions obviously play a lot in there. But the the snap and the Syracuse game was more the snap than anything. I don't think, if I recall, that oh, yeah, was not oh, yeah. only. 20 feet over his head, but it was it was pretty far wide as well. And I, I don't think you were saying that it was Maggio's fault or anything, but but the, the snap was bad. Special teams matter, um, and we got kind of lucky there. But we also covered up a lot of our special teams and offensive deficiencies with really good defense the last few years. So with the defense probably going to take a moderate, minor to moderate step back, uh, we have to ask for a little more out of these two uh 
these two squads. So, and I, and I think they'll, they'll bring it this year. So, um, all in all, I, I believe the defense will take a slight step back. I think special teams should there, – there's no reason special teams shouldn't be at least the same or better. We bring at back a senior, Mike Weaver. Yeah, so I, I don't know exactly all the stuff that goes into – determining all that i know field position has a lot to do with it like opportunity that it provides to the offense and return yards and points per kick that kind of stuff but um we should be better ranked than that and hopefully we move up a little bit uh overall we are getting down the stretch here rob not just in this podcast but we are 10 days away from the football season kicking off um we we obviously take on presbyterian next thursday at 6 30 at bbnt field obviously if you're listening to this you will probably be attending the game and or watching it on tv but um we we expect to fully get into that starting probably thursday we'll do our normal uh, we're going to try to do a Q&A. I did a Q&A with the assistant SID earlier in the summer. Uh, it, it wasn't a quick back and forth, so I'm not sure if there are any Presbyterian blogs out there. Um, if the, if you were a Blue Hose fan and would like to get at me, then you can slide into my DMs, and I would love to converse with you. Um, but I'll see what I can do on that front. But we will be having offensive, defensive, uh, special team breakdown on Presbyterian, and just kind of a while while it may not be super important for next week, it, it, it's kind of the the prototype that we will use moving forward for the season to look at pros and cons of the opposing team, and also three up, three down after that, which uh, Samurai does a fantastic job of, and I know a lot of people like to read those articles. So we're, we're getting down the crunch stretch here, and next week we will be on our usual Sunday time at 6.30, and we will be discussing the Presbyterian Blue Hose a, a little more in depth so that you, as the super fan listening to this podcast, will know a lot more about Wake Forest and Presbyterian than uh, your counterparts, and you can impress them at your tailgate, um, which we always like. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts about – I know soccer starts up a, a, a little bit this week, so uh, well, congratulations to the women's soccer team. I believe they won their first two contests of the year, getting Wake off to a fantastic start to this season. Uh, do you have any thoughts about the men's soccer team or any other sport um, or parting shots before we head out here? Uh, men's soccer team, well, I know we we did unfortunately lose to, to Furman. And it, it's an exhibition, so we didn't technically lose a, a game. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Sports, sports are still undefeated on the season. We are, absolutely. And then and then we scored a somewhat low goal to pull even with, with UNC Wilmington. So, you know, when you lose somebody like like a Hart, a Hart, a Jacorias, and things like that, it's it's going to uh, take a little bit of time. But at the same time, I, I think we're still going to be a, a very uh, very quality team. I believe we're we're ranked top five nationally preseason. Have a have a number three recruiting class ever recruited very well and performed very well under Bobby Muse. So we, you know, we'll, we'll probably take a step back this year. I mean, I don't expect us to win the ACC again, but I think we can be a very competitive team and uh, continue to build it and make our program strong. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about, um, you know, Wake Forest soccer this year. I, I bought one of the congregation scarves. So I'm, I'm hoping to make it out there to a go. number of games this year. Great atmosphere at, at Spry. Uh, and, and I think that's just – and now they have the video board there as well. So I think it's oh, yeah. just the, the add, to millimeter. A, add to a <laughs> – yeah, it's, it's, it's a scoreboard for ants apparently. I don't know. But, yeah. you know, I think it should add <laughs> – Sure, that's doing all great, uh, great atmosphere. So I, I'm excited about going to a lot of games. 
Yeah, I I think I might be I might be the one in the wrong here, but like when I read ten millimeter, I, I was maybe <laughs> maybe I don't know how long a millimeter is. I, I mean, I think I have a pretty firm understanding of it, but it must be something of like video stuff that I'm just not aware of because a ten millimeter board sounds pretty damn small to me. <laughs> it's a reasonable size, uh, reasonable size scoreboard. So, um, but but we do have a new scoreboard, and uh, the first game we have two games this weekend at Spry Stadium. The first one is against Rutgers at 7:30 on Friday, and then we host Providence um, on Sunday at 7 p.m. Hopefully, those will both be wins as we welcome everybody from Rhode Island and New Jersey who has not been attending Duke University for the last four years. So, hopefully, it'll be a fun time, and uh, we will be back at our regular time at 6.30 on Sunday with uh, an in-depth look as in-depth you can get as looking at the Presbyterian Blue Hose and uh, we, if you have any questions feel free to shoot them to us at uh, our Twitter accounts. It can be Rob's account or mine or Roll the Quadcast and if you're listening to this you probably know it so I don't need to pimp it but we appreciate you listening and uh, if you haven't subscribed be sure to click that button to the left on the Roll the Quadcast Twitter account and uh, get in there but uh, as always we appreciate it and go Deeks! Go Deeks!